Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Well, today we're going to start a new sermon series. It's called More Conversations with Jesus. Now, if you were here last fall, you know we started our first iteration of this, just called Conversations with Jesus. And what we did was we actually asked you guys, what would you ask Jesus if you were sitting down with him for coffee? Right, if you could call Jesus on the phone and ask him anything, no limitations, what would you ask him? And that's how we formulated our series. In fact, we asked you guys to submit your questions, and we're going to do that again. See, the reason we're doing it again is because last year we had seven weeks of series to work through, and we received about 58 questions from you guys, which means, of course, that is not enough time to answer all those questions. And so we want you guys to do us a favor. Submit your questions again. Okay, we still have some of those. We might bring those back and use some that you've already submitted, but just to make sure that you have your best chance to have your question answered, go ahead on your little sermon notes in your bulletin, or, or you can write it down, drop it in the offering plate. Or if you just want to call the office or email one of us, or even fill out a connection card and put, this is my question that I'd like to submit, we would love to answer those. And so we're going to take those questions, we're going to form this whole sermon series around it, and what we're going to do is match that with scripture and answer it just like Christ would answer it if he was sitting with you for coffee. So today, this is the question we're wrestling with. How do we do that? Right, just like Christ's disciples, they were given this mission, then Jesus goes off and leaves them, and they're thinking, if they didn't say it out loud, well, how are we gonna pull that off, right? How are we supposed to do that? It's, it's a question every one of us as believers should wrestle with. If our mission is to bring Christ's truth to the nations, we should try to figure out how are we gonna do that? as individuals, as families. So today, I have a little bit of cheat here. Um, I'm not going to answer that question for you today. I actually have someone else who's wrestled with that question in a very intimate way. We have one of our missionaries here who is uh, all the way up from Brazil, and his whole life has been kind of reorchestrated around this question. How do I, how am I uniquely called and personally called to share God's truth. And I think you guys are going to love his story today. So Matt, come on up. I'm going to hand it over. I gave him some stipulations in our other services that we do primarily speak English here. So he cannot start going off in Portuguese because I, my translation skills are mediocre at best. So I'm going to hand it over to Matt so he can share his story. All right. Good morning. Good morning. All right. I love the interaction already. Uh, my name is Matt Steidinger and we are excited to be here with you today. Um, I'm here with my family. Uh, we live in Brazil, my wife, and, and we have four children. We've been there for almost eight years. Um, we serve in the Amazon Basin, and we are super privileged to be partners with, with New Life. And this year, a team came down, uh, Pastor Phil and Tammy Marks and Dan and, Dan and uh, Liz Costa came down to see us. So they got to see that, yeah, we actually live there. And uh, you didn't see any snakes, did you, Liz? 
Oh. Well, forget about that. Yeah, they did see one snake. So um, anyway, so I am a trained uh, pilot mechanic and also the executive director of our mission called Amazon Salt and Light. So if you want to hear more about the mission and what we do, go to amazonsaltandlight.org. Um, but this, this question, uh, how do we do the Great Commission? Uh, we had to, to decide and kind of work through that as a mission. And so kind of our, our, what, we, what we came up with was Amazon Salt and Light. We're going to focus on two things. The first thing is we're going to focus on helping uh, national workers, helping Brazilians that speak the language, that know the culture, that have a firm foundation in the word, but just lack the resources to reach their people. Where we live, it's very, re- they call it remote. It's, it's transportation is very difficult to go to some of these um, river villages, river communities. So we said, you know, we're going to come, come alongside these pastors and help them get out there, help them financially until they can get their feet on the ground, until they can plant some churches and begin to be pastors. And then the other way we're going to help them is through transportation. So we have a fleet of boats that they can use. We help them with boat gas so they can go and fulfill the Great Commission. We also have a couple airplanes that we use so we can go farther, faster. Um, so that's kind of our mission and what we do. Um, as as uh, we live on the, the Madeira River, which is a tributary of the Amazon, and on that river they, they say there's about 1,200 communities, and a community might be a dozen huts along the river, um, but they're organized and usually have a leader, and so there's 1,200 on that river, one of the ri- many, many rivers in the Amazon Basin. And there's about 1,000 of those communities that they say that don't have any evangelical presence. So our goal is to go in through evangelism and discipleship, raise up a couple in that community that will embrace the, 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 the Great Commission and begin to share the gospel with their family, their friends, their neighbors, and then they will have the passion to reach the other communities. So that's kind of our thrust of, of the mission. That's what um, the mission has, has seen as, as how uh, we want to do this. So um, this is the, the, the third, the third uh, sermon. And I was thinking when I, when I came up here, I should have my wife come up and talk. And I have a little story to tell you why. So when we moved to Brazil, I like to talk, but they did a kind of a personality test. And they said, your wife is going to learn the language a lot faster than you. Another way of saying you're dumb, you know. Uh, but I, I tried. I wanted to be able to go and evangelize. And so I, I studied and I, and, I, and I was able to be able to preach a little bit. So we were there for about two years and we were working with this church in our neighborhood. And the pastor said, we were helping him kind of build a church. And he said, hey, we're having a, a service on Saturday night. We'd love for you and your wife to come. And, I, and usually they'll let you, uh, give you a chance to talk. Uh, to kind of honor, you know, a guest. So I was excited. I planned what I was going to say and, and uh, wrote it out in Portuguese and that already. And I got up there and Janelle was up there with me and I, you know, did this awesome message. And then she, I think she took the microphone. No, I think they said, you know, does your wife want to say anything? Maybe. So she talked. I think she said two sentences. Um, thank them uh, and for, the, for, us, for giving us the privilege to be there. So the next day or day later, I went to the pastor's house and he thanked me profusely for coming and, and coming to the service and, and talking. And I, of course, <laughs> you know, you got to hear me. And 
Then he's like, but you, you know, they loved it. People really talked about it and they loved it. Um, you know what they really loved? And I was waiting for him to say, they just loved your wife. <laughs> what she said. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so she should actually be doing this today. But uh, we'll continue on. So um, back to, to Ben's topic, the Great Commission. And to, to kind of start the message, I want to talk about physics. So we got some maybe high schoolers in here. Anybody take physics already in physics? No? Not going to school at all because of COVID? So we're going to talk about physics. And, and just to warn you, I got a D when I was in college in physics, so we're not going to get too deep. But I want to talk about uh, um, Newton's first law of motion. So what does it state? Newton's first law of motion states an object at rest tends to stay at rest and an object in motion tends to stay in motion with the same speed and in the same direction unless acted on by an unbalanced force. Went right over your head, right? You should have seen the eight o'clock service. They were still sleeping. So what I want to focus on is the first part. An object at rest tends to stay at rest. So we're talking about the Great Commission and how. And what I hear a lot of people say is, I don't know what to do. I don't know what that looks like, right? But an object at rest tends to stay at rest. So if that's your reply and that's your answer and that's your thought, you're not going to do anything. You're just going to sit there, right? Because an object at rest tends to stay at rest, rest right? And so what I want to talk about this morning is, is get up and get moving and do something, right? But people say, well, I don't know what, to, I want to do the right thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. And I agree, we do, don't we? But what I've seen in my life and in other people's lives, it's a lot easier for God to move us and direct us if we're already moving than it is for him to get us up off our butts. So we don't want to be an object at rest that tends to stay at rest. We want to be an object that's moving and will continue to move in the same direction at the same speed unless it's acted on by an unbalanced force, which is the Holy Spirit and God in our lives, directing us and moving us. So um, looking at this from a biblical perspective, um, we find in Acts 9 the story of Saul and Saul who became Paul. He was uh, persecuting Christians. He was there when Stephen was stoned and uh, I'm not gonna read it, I'm gonna tell the story uh, right now. So he, he's trying to go find any believers, any people that follow Jesus and he wants to persecute him, he wants to bind him, he wants to take him back to Jerusalem, he wants to kill him. So he's on his way to Damascus. He has the authority of the religious leaders to find these people. And a light comes and knocks him off his horse and he says, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus. The voice says, I'm Jesus and you're persecuting my people. So he goes to Damascus, he's blind for a couple days, he's fasting and God sends Ananias to him, lifts him up, prays for him. He receives his sight and he immediately begins preaching. Totally contrary to what he had been doing. So you might think that you don't know what to do or how to do it, but I can guarantee you whatever you do won't be as bad as what Saul was doing, okay? <laughs> so he was going in a direction with a high rate of speed and God touched him and moved him and said, you know what, I want you to go this way. 
and immediately he embraced the gospel and began preaching and he wrote most of the uh of the letters in the new testament so we need to put more emphasis on the holy spirit and that that holy spirit and and believe that it's going to guide and direct us and not be so worried about how yeah how we're going to do it but get up first and don't be don't be an object at rest that's going to tend to stay at rest but get up and do it i've been uh privileged to to be a good friend with dan so i've kind of been exposed to this church and i have to say you guys have a lot of opportunities <laughs> and i was realized that even more when i looked at the wall back here of all the activities that you can do, I don't think anybody in this church can say, I don't really know what to do. I don't know what my gifts are. Because you can do, just go back there and contact somebody on that, on that group, landscaping, babies, whatever. There's something for you to do. And maybe it's not perfect. And maybe it, you'll be moved and tapped into another direction. But at least you can get started. And praise the Lord for the people that are willing to, to be leaders and willing to, to, to be uh, in charge of those groups. So I encourage you to do that. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, our life, personally, how we got involved in the missions. So we grew up in, in central Illinois, down by Bloomington, both me and my wife. Uh, our dream was, was to be farmers, have a family, uh, live in a... She wanted to live in a big, white, old farmhouse until we actually had one. And then we realized it was kind of drafty and, and not everything she dreamed of. But anyway... So we were involved in a local church, didn't know a missionary until we were probably in our 20s. But became exposed, became exposed to, the, to a mission in Brazil and began to be involved. Like, hey, you know, we don't want to be an object at rest, right? So we started moving. Uh, went down there, saw the mission, um, took a couple short, short-term teams down, like uh, Dan and Liz brought a team down this year. So that's what we did, took a, team, a couple teams down, and we're just kind of feeling out what God wanted us to do. And we felt perfectly, pretty much perfectly comfortable where we were, um, being involved, giving financially and, and praying for them. Um, but still, even though we were comfortable, we just kept, kept feeling a little bit of, you know, go a little bit more, go a little bit more. So we did, they asked us if we wanted to come down and be in charge of the guest house. Uh, we prayed and felt, no, that wasn't it. Um, at the same time, I'd been exposed to aviation while I was down there. When I came back, I uh, talked to Dan. He was a pilot and kind of began to, to work in the area of aviation. Thought, ah, oh, maybe I'm supposed to build a plane for them. Went and looked at somebody that was building one in Indiana. And ah, God said, no, that's not, you know, your gift. And then we, well, maybe I'm supposed to fly. So I ordered some books. You have to take a written test. I ordered some books and they sat on the coffee table for a year or so I didn't do anything with them I was an object at rest um, and kept was, then they asked uh, if I'd be on the board of directors so I was on the board of directors and we kept feeling you know called kind of but we just didn't know what we were supposed to do and so one day you said, we said you know what we just got to decide if we're going in that direction or if we're going to stay here so we took three days off and, and let's pray and fast and, and figure out what God wants us to do so we did that took three days off the end of the third night we sat down on the couch put the kids in bed sat down and we were so excited to hear what the other one had heard from God and looked at each other and I got nothing <laughs> she says I, I don't I didn't I don't feel anything well this was kind of a joke um about that moment eight o'clock at night the phone rings I pick it up it's just Matt Steidinger yes how are the flight lessons going 
Well, those books were still sitting on the coffee table. I hadn't done anything. I don't think I had even, had even, had even unwrapped them. I said, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not a pilot. I'm not taking lessons. He said, well, this is the school that you ordered the books from. We're just calling to check up on our students if you're flying or if you started or if we can help you in any way. I said, oh, well, I haven't started, but I'm going to. <laughs> so that was a nudge from God that, hey, start in this direction. So that's what we did. Um, got my pilot's license, got a couple ratings, and began to walk towards, uh, towards that goal of being uh, a missionary pilot. And so that's what we're doing, serving in that capacity down there. So God tapped us into the right direction. So I encourage you, don't be an object at rest. Get up and, and, and God will tap you in the right direction, right? The mission asked if we were gonna be, we should be guest house, uh, take care of the guest house. That wasn't, that's not our calling. And so, but we were at least willing and, and walking uh, and following God's call. So one more story, uh, a couple more stories here. Ben gave me extra time. So he said I can go till 1.30. <laughs> Hope you guys brought your lunch. I want to talk, uh, tell a story about D.L. Moody. So maybe some of you heard of D.L. Moody. He was an evangelist, great evangelist in the 20th century. Um, a girl lived in Chicago, actually, and came to know the Lord in his 20s. And he wasn't like Saul, but he was pretty unorthodox, pretty crazy. Um, he felt the call of the Lord, and he wanted to share I mean, he believed this message, this, this uh, great commission of sharing Christ with the people around you. And that's your mission field, right? You're not probably going to move to Brazil, although we would welcome you. But you need to start where you're at, your family, your work, people at work. If you're going to school, people at school, and be a light where you're at. Share the gospel. But not like D.L. Moody did, okay? <laughs> so what he did is he forcefully at the beginning would preach to people on the street and 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 there's a story that one day he was walking down the street and he'd been talking to this one guy sharing the gospel and the, and the guy saw him and the guy immediately began to run away from D.L. Moody and what did D.L. Moody do started chasing the guy so he's chasing this guy to share the gospel with him and the guy runs a couple blocks and D.L. Moody's chasing him and the guy runs home to his apartment up the stairs and D.L. Moody's chasing him. The guy goes in his apartment building and D.L. Moody's right after him. He goes into his bedroom and D.L. Moody's chasing him. He goes into the guy's bedroom. The guy crawls under the bed. And the story is D.L. Moody kneeled down and said, you need Jesus. Do you have anybody like that in this congregation? <laughs> well, anyway, if you had somebody like that in this congregation, I would imagine that people in the community would come to Pastor Ben and say, hey, Mike is crazy. I don't know what you got going on there at New Life, but you need to get it under control. And that's what happened. People started coming to the church and they, you know, they said, this, this guy, D.L. Moody, like, does he go here? And what happened was a couple of ladies heard that he was, you know, going out and evangelizing in this manner. And they went to their church. And so they decided they were going to help him. So they sat him down and they said, uh, Mr. Moody, you can't. <laughs> this is not how you share the gospel. Chasing people and constantly talking about Jesus, uh, you need to calm down. 
This is not how you do evangelism. And he said, I know. He said, I know. I'm doing it wrong. He said, I, I totally understand. I need some help. He said, how do you do it? And one of the ladies said, oh, we don't. And so D.L. Moody replied, I like the way I'm doing it wrong better than your way of not doing it at all. <laughs> so God tapped him and helped him, and he began to refine his methods, and he shared the gospel with millions of people. God used his life. Um, but he was an object that wasn't at rest. He was moving, and God helped put him in the right direction. Um, praise the Lord for that. So, again, we want to be moving so that we tend to continue to move, and God will tap you and move you in the right direction. He'll help you share, uh, help you refine the way um, he's called you to share the gospel with people starting in your local community. Um, last story I have uh, is a story from Brazil. So we moved. We were in, in Santarém, which is on the Amazon River. We were there for five years. Um, learned a lot about evangelism and the culture and the language. And then we moved, uh, two years ago, we moved 900 miles west. And we took five Brazilian families with us, missionaries, and we scattered them out in the river uh, communities. And they began to reach um, their communities and begin to raise up uh, local, local leaders is our goal. So we got there in the city where we live. We started also sharing the gospel and we started a little small group. Um, and one of the that, people that came, Liao, Liao is his name, he came very soon after we started. And our church, our, our group of people is very mission-minded, mission-focused, uh, share the gospel, talk to people, bring them to church, go visit them. And so Liao, as he came, he was exposed to that. So he was an object that was kind of going and, and, and he got exposed to, to Frank as our Brazilian leader. And just being around Frank, you begin to get that, like, I need to, I need to do something. So Liao had, a, had a, a neighbor named Anderson. Anderson, Liao had been friends with Anderson for a long time, but he'd never share the gospel with him. He was scared. And so he invited Anderson. One day that we had a birthday party, I think, and, and he, oh, this is a good, good idea, good, good opportunity, he invited Anderson and his wife that came to the birthday party. And while they were there, Frank's wife, I think, invited them to come back to church. And they started coming to our small group, coming to church. And his wife uh, accepted the Lord. And Anderson kept coming, and he talked a lot, but he was kind of resistant. And a couple months went by, and Anderson came one day, and he said, you know what, I need Jesus. Then Anderson became a D.L. Moody, almost. Frank's like, man, he's great, but wow, he won't stop talking about Jesus <laughs> to these people. He just, all the time, and he doesn't really know what he's talking about. I mean, he's like a little baby. He's brand new in the faith, and he's telling these people that, you know, we need to go with him when he goes and, and visits people. Um, we came home one day uh, from a river trip, and Frank Frank is, the, like I said, the Brazilian leader. He doesn't stop. He's constantly, you know, hey, Matt, what do you, you know, it'll be 8 o'clock at night, and I'm finally like, okay, you know, we can uh, kind of re relax a little bit. He calls, hey, what are you doing? Nothing. Good. Let's go visit such and such, you know, a couple blocks away, and, he, you know, can you take me in your car? Um, so one day we get home from the, from the river trip, and, and 
get, get kind of, uh, get your clothes, get your laundry done, um, and kind of relaxing, because you've been gone for a couple days, and he, hey, calls, hey, Anderson wants us to go visit his brother. He already set up a time, we're supposed to be there at 7 o'clock. Okay, so I take him there, and, and we sit down out in his yard, and we're talking to, to Hobson. And Hobson's kind of sitting there, listening to Frank, and Frank's talking, and uh, he's just talking about all kinds of stuff, where Hobson works, a little bit of his history. And then he starts talking about God and our need for a Savior and how we need to surrender to Christ and he will forgive us. And I'm kind of half daydreaming a little bit when he was talking about the Hobson's life and his history and stuff, you know, and then Frank starts talking about God and I'm like, hmm. And Hobson's kind of looking like this too, you know, and I'm like, well, this isn't going anywhere. And Frank says, so would you like to do that? Would you... Are you interested in, you know, your life? You had some rough, he had been through some rough times and obviously needed something more in his life, which Frank was sharing the solution. And Hobson said, yeah, that's what I need. That's what I want to do. And Frank's like, okay, like, are you serious? Like, this is like a life-changing, life-transforming decision. And he said, yeah. He said, that's what I need. So shared with his wife, couple nights later and it is you know he told his wife he said hey you know I made this decision I want to talk to you about it make sure that this is what we want to do and his wife said that's what I've been waiting for <laughs> is that so that's an object that was at rest and praise the Lord through Frank and the mission the ministry God came and touched him and that object is now moving in the direction now Hobson he also is sharing with people, um, so we're thrilled to be uh, able to serve down there, and we're thrilled to be partners with New Life. Somebody.